Hello, my friends. Today, Joel is talking to Colleen, the Chief Revenue Officer at Acklin Avenue and the host of the Build Better Tech podcast. And they discuss how to keep things fresh when you've been at the same job for a while, learnings from interviewing many tech leaders, and tips for getting started with a podcast. Stay tuned after the episode for a preview of the Build Better Tech podcast. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. I was scrolling through LinkedIn and I saw this post where you interviewed this individual who I think was lead engineer was somehow responsible for Surrey. And I was like, mm-hmm. look at this other tech podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so I like researched it, reached out, or, you know, you reached out, didn't you? I did. Isn't that how it works? Yeah. So <laughs> sorry, I do a lot of these. So you reached out to me and then I looked up your profile and I saw the Surrey guys like, oh, this is awesome. She is doing interviews with these tech leaders. She's getting like, you know, well-known tech leaders. And I didn't know how long you had been doing it. I saw that you, when did you start it? Uh, fall of 2019. Um, I was getting ready to, I was going to be going on maternity leave. And well, the big, the big reason I started the podcast was because I, in my role at Acklin Avenue, which is a software development company out of Nashville, I was getting to meet these leaders who just happened to be working in technology, CTOs, CIOs, who, uh, at, you know, influential companies and you don't reach that stage in a company, uh, and in your career without having something considerable to say about leadership and about how to do technology really well. You know, the intersection of of business and technology, they have a lot to say about business strategy and understand technology's role within that. And I wanted, I just was having really interesting conversations with these men and women and wanted to provide a platform for it. I was like, these are people that have something to say and I'd love to uh, help them to share it. Of course, excellent podcasts like yours exist. Uh And, uh, but I was really interested in the business angle. And so I, you know, decided to just see what I could make happen. And, and I was getting ready to go on maternity leave and wanted something that I could kind of work on and get out into the world. Um, while I was taking kind of a quieter season personally, and it was great. You know, it, I haven't done near as, as, uh, my life, my library is much smaller than yours, <laughs> Joel, but, um, it's been good. It's been, I'm really proud of the folks that I've been able to connect with most recently. Brendan Edelson, the CTO of Zoom, um, was on in a, in a bonus episode this fall, I'm recording season, like a full season two right now with some really fantastic guests that are going to be, I mean, honestly, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm still a little bold over that they were even, uh, that they, you know, had time for me, but, um, it's been super fun and really proud of it. Yeah. That was another good thing that came out of the pandemic is people got better audio video setups at home and got much more comfortable with doing conversations remotely. And so that opened up a lot more people to doing these types of things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you say that because I was very much like a loyalist to in-person interviews, um, especially for folks that I didn't know. Uh, As you know, it's very easy to develop rapport with someone 
um, face to face. And I just loved the spirit of conversations that it, that was able to create. And so it's been a little bit of a, I, I still am really proud of the content that, you know, that we've been able to create. I miss the in-person and to the extent that I am going to continue to do in-persons, uh, then I will. <laughs> so your first season was in-person interviews? Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. Yeah. I've done like a handful maybe of in-person interviews. Sometimes like at one point when I said I was traveling around a lot and doing conferences, Mm -hmm. I would like do some freelance type work where I would interview people and then I wouldn't be in the interview. I would just take the footage from them and like make ads and some other stuff. Um, But yeah, it's it's pretty interesting when you, for me, because I had probably done like 100 or 200 of these through Zoom before I did my first like in-person one. And you don't have a screen in front of you with a bunch of notes that you have to like look at the person in their eyes. And so I found out pretty quickly that what worked for me was I would just, uh, you know, have a sheet like of the top couple questions um, and some bullet points and like have them be very brief and then uh, pray that they're a good talker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I prefer much like a very conversational style as well, which I, I know that you do also. So it works. It's actually easier for me to have a kind of a free flowing conversation with someone in person. I feel a little bit more shackled to my notes when I'm doing a, frankly, doing a zoom, but it's still lots of fun. And, um, I am getting to meet like the next interview that I'm doing, I got to meet him in person recently on, on a trip. So we were able to build a little bit of background and uh, I was able to understand more about who he is that I think is going to be really impactful in the interview. So stay oh, for tuned. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I so should say the podcast is called Build Better Tech. Uh, yeah, we got to plug the podcast. Platforms. Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I wasn't even sure what this episode would end up being about because we always look at the audience and figure out like how to try to bring them value the best way sure. possible. And so as we're talking here, I think this episode should be about like starting a podcast. Oh and gosh, okay. Because there's a lot of people out there that will walk up to me when I was doing conferences and stuff and say, oh, I've been thinking about a podcast. People will reach out to me on LinkedIn. A hundred percent of the time, I don't respond to the people that reach out to me on LinkedIn saying that they're thinking about starting a podcast. Mm. But like a hundred percent of the time or 80% of the time when they already have started a podcast, I will. Because mm-hmm. there's way more people that talk about it than actually go mm-hmm. through with it. And I want to help the people who are you know, putting in putting in the work and doing it. Sure. And so... In that sort of theme about you know starting a podcast, I think if this episode, if we talked a little bit about about that topic, then it would help uh, the next generation of podcasters. And then one of the things I thought was most interesting that you said was you know there's lots of great podcasts out like yours, but I still did it. Yeah, there were five CTO podcasts out when I started. I didn't do it because I wanted to like compete with the five podcast or because I couldn't get what I wanted elsewhere. I did it because I wanted to talk to great people and learn from them. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that any other way than calling them up and having a conversation with them. And you need a good excuse. Mm-hmm. And a podcast is a great excuse. And so that was my idea was, hey, I want to have more relationships. I want to know more people. And then I kind of got addicted to it after I started learning so much. Yeah, I would say mine was definitely similar. I wanted to, these were people that I wanted to talk to and I wanted to have really substantive conversations with. And I was curious about 
And in order to justify the ask, it helps if you have something to offer. You know, you've got a platform to offer them. And so I think, you know, some people ask me about starting a podcast as well. And I I would just really encourage them to, to think about what they want out of it. Because if that's what you want, if you're interested in, you know, getting to know people and having substantive conversations with them that you think other people would be interested in, then that is something that you can do. It doesn't take much to do that. If your goal is, uh, you know, I have a business plan, I want sponsorship, I want this much listenership. That's a, I mean, Joel, you could speak to, to how to get yeah, to that goal. 200 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> 200 episodes uh, in two years and 200 episodes. I think that's when I made my first dollar. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so, $250,000 of my own savings. Okay. Well, yeah. so that's something to think about. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'll tell you this. So I heard Gary V talking about it. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk, have you ever come yeah, across this guy? Uh-huh. Okay. So he was saying, you know, he's Mr. Hustle, 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 right? So he was saying, you know, you can do it yourself, one man band. And I was like, that sounds great and all, but <laughs> I want to, mm-hmm. I want to cut the curve because he's like, you're going to have to crush it. And like, it's going to be really hard, like ramen noodle style for like the first, you know, three, four years. And I thought to myself, okay, that's true. And I have a good work ethic, but if I invested my savings into this, I could probably cut that curve down and it did work. Wow. Yeah. Nice. What were you basing that bet on? Cause it's a pretty big bet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the bet that I'll never give up. Like I, I, I decided that like I was willing to die. Like I would be willing to continue to try to make this work until I died. And if I didn't make it work, there's, I would just continue to try. And I would be an 80 year old person or 90 year old person who passed away trying to make a successful, you know, podcast. I will, I will be very honest, Joel. That is a level of commitment that I do not personally <laughs> have to build that attack. <laughs> um, but clearly you've been able to do incredible things with this. I, okay. So it's about making a podcast, but the podcast is not the thing. The podcast is the thing that gets you to the thing. So what's yeah. the thing? behind that that you're really trying to accomplish uh security through high level relationships there you go yep that's that's what the start of it was the start of it was i need a vehicle to get me to know great people because i kept watching people on crunchbase you know they track like acquisitions and things like that and it was always like the cousin of this venture capital person or this private equity. It was all relationships. Mm. And, you know, there were engineers, you know, that were good at tech, but like I could look up their code on GitHub and I'm like, oh, I'm a better engineer than this. But yet maybe I'm not because they just sold their company for $50 million. So mm-hmm. you know, I realized that the common thread between these people that I saw as having more success than me was they had a large number of relationships and were social. And at the time, uh, I had made my money simply by having like four or five really close relationships with some people that just gave me a bunch of business. Were you your own boss before you started this or what were you doing when you started to kind of think about doing this? Yeah, the, I've had two jobs that weren't... I had two jobs. I've worked two places at companies I didn't own. Um, the first one was like a Outback Steakhouse for one shift. <laughs> As, as a bus boy, like literally like, nope. one shift, and then you, you know, turn yeah, in your the, dish, fish towel. 
they give you a free dessert. That's what you get. They don't even put you into <laughs> payroll or anything. They say, you come try it out. You work one shift, you get a free dessert and that's it. And I was like, it ruined Bloomin' Onions for me. So <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was like, I'm done with this. And uh, I did that because while I was making money online at the time, my parents wanted me to like go out in the world and like not just be in my room, which I, I respect that. But And then I at Target, I think I held the job for like three weeks um, before I accidentally said something inappropriate and the person, the manager was like standing behind me. And um, I don't, I mean... I didn't really think it was inappropriate, but like I learned, I've learned to, to, <laughs> yeah. to better I'm sure you describe were very, people. You were young, you were young and oh, I was, yeah. I was 14, probably 14, oh. 15. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're yeah. going way back. Okay. Yeah. It was my mom dropping me off. So I wasn't even driving at the time. Well, you know? I don't know. Kids these days, you know, kids these days. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't even know how we got on this, but, uh, I guess it was talking about jobs and the security of relationships, high level relationships, uh, that was just to me, my thought was if I can surround myself by really great people and I could build relationships with them because those five people that I mentioned that gave me all my business in engineering, uh, they really like respected me for my technology and I got along and I had really strong relationships with these people. And I was like, I need more like genuinely strong relationships with people. And so this would act as sort of like lead gen for, mm-hmm. for that. And it's yeah. been pretty cool because over the 400 episodes, you know, there's a handful of people that I've become like, you know, good personal friends with and have gone out and visited, hung out with, you know, spent time with. So, yeah. Well, I hope to be counted among that, that list. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, how do you sustain those relationships? I mean, you know, going on somebody's podcast can see, it can be a little transactional. You know, oh, yeah. um, so what are you, what are some of your moves or kind of follow up for after someone's on? Yeah. So I just kind of go with the interviews cause we do a lot of them. And then sometimes as we're talking, we just have things in common, like, and we mm-hmm. connect and it's really good. And then we just, you know, I'll think of something maybe later that week. I don't try sure. to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say I I can honestly say that, like, I don't try to do it, but sometimes it happens. Um, Mm -hmm. and sometimes what I'll do is when I will be flying out to a place or visiting a town, I just pull up my spreadsheet of all the people I've spoken to and where they live. And I sort, you know, Mm -hmm. and then like, for example, I was in Austin, Texas earlier this year, and I had this guy on from Firefly. He owns like a rocket ship company and they're pretty cool. So when I was out there in Austin, I like reached out to him and went and got to visit like the rocket ship factory and like take a picture in front of the engines and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. He was the one that inspired the whole, like we did a mini series, like two or three episodes on this concept of faith in the workplace. Because at the end of his episode, I was talking with him because he's a founder and his company, like, you know, you try to start a company, it's constantly going out of business. That's just the nature of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was asking him like why he continued and he had a lot of adversity and, and a couple failures along the way. And I was like, why'd you continue? And he's like, uh, he started talking about like a little bit about his faith and about God a little bit. And, you know, I was pretty like taken aback because I had this realization that like, I never had like talked about like God or anything on the podcast before. <laughs> and so then I started like having all these questions. And so I started asking around to people um, like, how do you talk? about 
faith at work. Mm-hmm. And that spawned this faith in the workplace. So we had a CTO on Brad Sosa, who I've become friends with. Um, he's like a pastor and a CTO out in California. And so I had him on to get his perspective. Um, I got perspective of uh, my pastor. So I had him on the show and asked him a bunch of questions. And uh, that was pretty cool because I just kind of like put it all out there. <laughs> yeah. I listened. That that was the episode that I, when I saw it and listened to it, I was like, I need to get in touch with this guy because he's just doing awesome stuff. So I listened. That was a really good episode. I'm a believer as well. And I just, I'm always interested in, you know, other people's experience with how that um, identity interacts with their professional life and certainly how to talk about it. Um, in ways that are comfortable and appropriate. Uh, you know, any insight that I can get on that is always very welcome. So oh, yeah. I, I so, love that episode. Yeah. My whole takeaway from that, like, couple months of my life was that sometimes opportunities present themselves and, you know, go with it. And uh, you have to develop your own internal compass for when the right moment is. And the only way you can do that is by like trial and failure. Mm-hmm. So it's not, yeah. it's not an easy thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this might be, you know, I think there might be some listeners that will not be able to identify this, but you know, your the hope is that you're spirit led as well then. And it's not just you that kind of can understand those moments and, and exactly what to say. Um, but you can really trust that uh, you'll be led. And one thing that I really am personally passionate about is scripture. You know, somebody told me one time that scripture, memorized scripture is the vocabulary that the Holy Spirit uses. And I thought that was, it's so true because, you know, God speaks to me through, through, passages and uh, that I have really spent a lot of time with and committed to memory all the time. And I, I have them when I need them a lot of the time. And other times, you know, I feel lost and <laughs> alone and scared, but um, it, it, it has been so true that that scripture that's in my brain is actively used. Yeah. Yeah. I was taking some notes on how to start a podcast and we didn't get very far. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Bullet point one, I think you nailed it. Decide like what you want out of it, what your why is. What's another thing you were thinking about when starting a podcast? Uh, my per, One of my personal decisions that I think helped, and by personal decisions, I mean my husband, who's a musician and very con- like, as just as a musician, he has a very finely attuned, uh, educated ear on um, sound. He really encouraged me to spend a little bit more on the gear, just get the sound quality right, get the production value right, because that can go a long way towards kind of legitimacy kind of out of the gate. I think there's not a single person listening to this that hasn't turned on a podcast that you, you know, checked that you wanted to check out for the first time and something about the quality just turned you off immediately and you couldn't make it. So Oh, you can see it in our stats when the guests have nice mics really and the audio oh yeah you can definitely see the episodes when people join like with airpods versus Mm -hmm. when people join with like sure microphones you know or or whatever microphone you have is really nice it's coming across really nice yeah so uh you know it's it's actually pretty odd the the type of mic she's got a microphone it's like a headset on 
and it's got a you know the ear earmuffs i guess is what we'll call them and the mm-hmm. microphone but i have seen a number of those do exceedingly well like very very close to uh like the smb7 type deal that i have and so when i travel and i'm not at the studio I have like a pair of those types of things because I can take it really easy. I don't need like the stand and the focus right and the cloud lifter and all of that. So gear is important. Thinking about what you want out of it. Uh, obviously, starting is super important. The other things that we have found, if we're like giving away our secrets, posting consistently, like the same time, same day of the week, was the biggest factor in. Uh, our increase of listeners, like when we first started out. So the first couple months, we were just kind of like posting whenever. And then we heard from another podcaster how important it is to post at the exact same time every week, uh, whatever cadence or frequency that you do. Uh, and then you can also do seasonal and like batch record and dump them all at once. That also works. You know, you see that in the Netflix type deal. Uh, but that had a very large impact to our listenership right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. That's really good advice for me because I have been going with a, I'm kind of like probably a bad hybrid of (laughs) both of those in that I, I did the first season as a batch. And then since then I've gotten just a couple of cool, really great opportunities. So I just didn't want to wait on the, um, Luke Julia, the founder of, um, or the create one of the two co-creators of Siri, I couldn't like, of course, like I, I'm going to not wait to share that because it was just a fantastic interview and kind of got the, you know, the pump primed a little bit for me to get back in, you know, the, in the recording mindset. And then also, you know, Brendan Idelson, CTO of Zoom that went out, you know, kind of as soon as I could get it out. I'm planning on doing like a batch of season two. I kept the, um, like the interview list really tight. Like I wanted to feature C-level leadership at extremely well-known household name companies. Yeah, you want Friday Night Party Mix, right? Just like <laughs> the best songs. I mean, kind of, yeah. And I, I'd be interested to know what you... Uh, so my hope is, like, I want to do that season, you know, as another batch in Q1 of next year. And then I'd love to feature just smaller companies. Because you know what, and this is not to like, when you're the C-level leadership at a Fortune 500 company, you've been media trained, you know, you have to stay away from areas that are at all controversial. You just need to stay really on message. And it's, that's great. You know, that's great content. And obviously like the, the folks that I have been able to connect with, thankfully just are really insightful people and fun and have a lot of energy and insight that they're bringing to the conversation, but like they have some constraints. And so I'd be interested to hear your perspective on, on guests from different profiles, but we're, we're the Amazon store. So like (laughs) we got everything. Mm -hmm. Um, We found out uh, to your point, if you focus on a specific level of company, regardless of what it is, whether it's uh, a startup scale growth enterprise, uh, you will get like the same advice because they're experiencing the same things at each stage. So we actually started being intentional in our calendar about you know booking slots for early stage companies, you know uh, startups, mm-hmm. uh, growth stage companies, and enterprise. And and we There's actually have a pie mix. chart. 
yeah, we have a pie chart actually of like the episode mix that our, our team follows and obviously things change too. So like for the first six, eight months of the podcast, I was, uh, recording like five episodes, uh, sometimes I'd like sometimes two to three episodes a day and I'd go home and my wife would be like, you got to stop this because you can't even talk. Cause I kept losing my voice. And so I backed it down to like three a week, which we found to be sustainable. And then, um, from there, you know, we had to figure out like how to, how to you know, grow it, how to make money from it, uh, how to keep it going because it's something that we really loved and that we wanted to keep, you know, keep making happen. And so then we, we sort of learned like the business side of things. Mm-hmm. So how do you, I mean, like I was going to ask, how do you stay inspired and kind of allow yourself to be refreshed and come into this, the recordings that you do just with the energy that you need to? Yeah. So I'm pretty transparent. I found that that tends to be my, my favorite strategy. So humans go up and down. So it's a natural thing for myself. What I do is I get to talk to these great people about it. And so I'm, I just like people that listen to all the episodes and have like a really good idea of like what's going on in my personal life. I did a call yesterday and this guy's like, Oh man, has Asheville. Oh, that's such a cool fifth wheel that you have all oh, this. And he's just like knew my entire history. And I was like, this is awesome. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's cool. <laughs> um, so, so I'd be super open and I would, I talk to people when I'm not feeling it and I, I ask them, what do they do? How do they stay excited? Uh, I see, I look for people coming up in recent episodes, like in, in future episodes, I'll say, okay, I need, to, I need to talk about this topic. Who do I have coming up this week that I, that I can talk about this with? And then I'll find somebody that I trust um, based off of their credentials. Like maybe this person, I specifically remember one time when I was like starting to get depressed. It was sometime in the summer, like the second or third year, uh, but I started to get depressed because like I had just like big name after big name, after big name, after big name. And then it just became this thing where like, you know, law of diminishing returns where I wouldn't get excited. And I would be, I was like sad at the fact that like, I wasn't excited getting to talk to this awesome person. And so I, I talked to a couple of them and I found out that people who stay at their job for a long time, develop a skill to keep things fresh. And that's one of the differences I've noticed between people who uh, jump around a lot and people who stay at a, a job for a while. Some people, they run their careers and there's nothing wrong with it, by the way, run their careers where they say, okay, I'm going to go in, I'm going to make a meaningful contribution to this organization. It's going to take me three, two, three, four years. And then I'm going to go find something else that's new and interesting to keep me excited. That's completely fine. Totally viable strategy happens. I would say more often than not, that's like the 80%. Mm-hmm. The yeah. 20% is when the people start there, like uh, the CIO of T-Mobile, uh, Cody Sanford, he's retired now, but um, he started as, I think like an intern or entry-level person. And he was at T-Mobile for like 20 plus years. And then he became the CIO. And I was asking him and some other people, you know, like, how do you do that? Why do you stay? And and they just have this skill of constantly making it new and interesting. So mm-hmm. the first time I ever got depressed or whatever about this going through this podcasting, uh, I talked to people, I learned that. And then I just keep finding new ways to make it interesting. It's like I built a new studio. I was like super excited about that. Um, I pulled up a list of things that I wanted to talk about because, you know, when we first started, it was me coming. 
home every night after doing those four or five episodes or three episodes a day, whatever it was. And I would eat dinner, attempt to have a conversation with my wife. And then I'd sit down and I'd email 125 CTOs asking them to come on the show. Cause like nobody knew anything about the show or it was super early. And so that's just what I did for like six or eight months. So when people, and I think it's important that I share this because I want to give an expectation of like the level of work on what it took for me to get started. So people can go into this and I guess they should expect it would be twice as hard as it was for me. And cause I did have money mm-hmm. invested to, to help me. And I had a producer from day one, which was really useful. So yeah, it's, it's a definitely a, a lot of work to, to start a podcast, but you know, you can keep it really simple and get going and then see if you like it or not. And I'd say either way, keep doing it. <laughs> Cause I, like I said, I'm like the do it forever until you die type person. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I hope it's useful for your audience to hear two different perspectives because I am kind of opposite ends, end of the spectrum in that this was something that I wanted to do because I thought it would be cool. I loved my job. I'm coming up on six years with my company. I started as the company's only salesperson and um, joined the executive team, stepped into a CRO role at the beginning of 2021. And every year has been like working at a different company. We're solving different challenges. I'm solving different challenges, moving from being an individual contributor to being on the executive team to being a manager. And it is just, I keep waiting to get bored. Um, but things are, and thankfully the problems that we're working on as a company that I get to be very involved in, they're different problems. Like you're always going to have problems in your business. You just want to try and upgrade your problems as you go (laughs) and keep having more desirable problems. Like how are we going to, you know, how are we going to supply all this demand that we're seeing? Um, and things like that. But, uh, in terms of how the podcast fits in. It's it's something that I want to to be a part of my life and my career and it, kind of my portfolio, but I want it to be very much on my terms. And um, if it stops serving me, then I'm totally okay with letting it go. But uh, and having that body of work that you know lives on, and but heck, it's fun. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep doing it until it gets you know until I'm tired of doing it. <laughs> what does the company do? Acklin Avenue offers agile teams as a service. We also do staff augmentation, but yeah, um, we've got a great model for custom software development that works really well for ambitious companies that are trying to accelerate software delivery. I love it. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been a really, it's a great, um, the founders have a really clear mission to just create a great place for people to work. And, and it it has been that It, it has really been that. So uh, That's exciting. Just glad to be part of that team as well. And they are very, you know, it's it's very compatible. It was that job, you know, needing making the connections that I got to make through Ackland Avenue that set me up for success in starting my podcast. So they're very, very much connected, although they're totally separate, you know, entities. Build Better Tech is is mine and mine alone. Um and yeah. I don't, you know, spend a lot of time talking about Ackland Avenue on on Build Better Tech. You you mentioned something uh, when you were talking. So we don't we originally when we started the podcast we were doing it live, but then moments like that we just edited out uh, moments <laughs> that, like that 
uh, people would share like all sorts of things that they shouldn't share, whether it's SEC violations, because, you know, and I get it too, because they're in their office where they feel comfortable because I'm doing these remote. It's not like they're on a set with lights in their face, you know? Mm -hmm. And so they're in their office where they feel comfortable and they just 10 minutes ago came out of this like boardroom meeting. And so sometimes they would share stuff and then like the PR people would freak out and they're like, take it down. And we're like, it's a live stream. Like, Oh no. Whoever was watching live already saw it, but we would have to take down the live stream. And so then we learned pretty early on after it happened a handful of times at like different levels of intensity that we couldn't live stream the original interview. But most people don't know this. You can like record the interview, edit it, and then live stream the recording. Hmm. Okay. So just because it says live on Facebook does not mean it's live. Okay. So pro tip, y'all. Yeah. Pro tip. <laughs> Beware of your favorite social media influencer. I know. Yeah. Because I mean, they can't tell to them. It's a video incoming video stream. So yeah, that's good. You know, it's interesting because um, this season, as I have approached higher profile guests, it's a different, there's a whole different process there and a whole, you have to interact with a whole set of people in order to go through questions and, you know, make sure that there are no sensitive areas, uh, that you, you know, that you bring up or discuss. Um, and by the way, you're not going to know what the areas are that you'll think like, this is a very harmless question. And for some reason it will not be, uh, something that they want to talk about. So like, that's kind of a drag that you do have to put, you know, you know, have those kind of walled off areas. But if you have those conversations, then it ultimately makes your guests feel more comfortable because then they can talk freely without worrying that they're going to say something and not be able to walk it back. So there's freedom in the constraints of it, I guess. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. So let's get back to this list. (laughs) Okay. How to start a podcast. Think of what you want out of it. Spend a bit on the gear. Uh, get guests. We talked a little bit about how I got guests. How did you get your first guest? Uh, I called him on the phone. <laughs> I asked <laughs> if he wanted to be on my podcast. Uh, my first recording was with the CEO of Lonely Planet at the time, Luis Cabrera. And uh, he happened to be a Nashville guy. Lonely Planet was um, based out of Nashville at the time. I'm not sure whether they've been acquired since then. So I'm not sure where the headquarters technically is. Um, but yeah, I was, uh, lucky enough to, I knew some folks at Lonely Planet. And so I kind of was tangentially, you know, I had a couple, I knew a couple of folks that he knew. Um, but you know, I have a background in sales. And so the idea of picking up the phone and calling someone is not, nobody's going to like, that's going to be their favorite thing to do, but that's relatively comfortable territory for me. So that was my first guest. And, you know, it was a good one. It's a great, you know, it's not a bad episode. I went back and listened to it. I expected to be like horrified at the, you know, the sound of my voice and all those things. But actually, you know, he made it. He was he was just a great guest with lots of things to say. Um, so that was my move. <laughs> Yeah, I try. I try not to listen to my episodes. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I have to because people will like the production team will talk about something, and and I'll go listen to a couple of the episodes. Um, but I try as as hard as I can not to. Um, but I do sometimes. So back to this list. Here we go. Mm-hmm. We're making okay. this list. We're bringing value to the audience. All right. So okay. how to start a podcast? Think what you want out of it. I added something to the list. Uh, the most important, arguably the most important thing is figure out who the audience is and how this brings them value. Sure. 
if your goal is to grow an audience, that's what you would definitely have to do. So I did that through research, uh, through my own experience, through talking to people. And so a lot of people say, oh, I don't know what the topics are I'm going to discuss on my podcast. It's like, well, it's really, really easy. Figure out who the audience is and find out what they want to hear about and what they care about. Um, you know, Use the internet, Reddit, Google search, common questions, or talk to them. Uh, ideally, you're in the industry or you're nearby it to the point where you can reach out to these people and just ask them what we should be talking about. Um, and then, of course, asking the guest who is the subject matter expert, what areas are really going, going fast or moving fast in the industry you're in or what's really exciting about the industry currently, and then allowing those, asking them what their problems were. I'd say learning to ask these people like the mistakes that they've made and what their problems were and things of that nature, the, the best leaders can just like answer them really easily and clearly. And so I was like, yeah, they're not scared of them at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My favorite, um, uh, my favorite moments on my own podcast are when someone is willing to tell a story and really dish on most likely they'll, they'll dish on themselves and tell a story about the time when they learned something. Uh, that's much more helpful and much more interesting to, than um, people talking in platitudes uh, or in abstract terms. That actually, I would say that that was one of my founding principles in why I wanted to start a podcast was because a lot of podcasts that I heard with people that I thought were very interesting, I just never felt like the interviewer quite asked the question that I wanted to hear the answer to what to the degree of specificity that I wanted to hear it. Like, oh, you mean okay, getting past the media that. trained, you know? Yeah. yeah. That. <laughs> I hate that. I tell we, we have, so we've learned a lot. We've gotten really, really good in our process and that's credit to the production team. Who's awesome. Um, we've gotten really good about the expectation for the guest. And that if it gets media trained, we just, we cut it out. And if they get a 10 minute episode, they get a 10 minute episode. Like we, wow. we don't, we don't do that. We, we have a pretty, we set it up so well where it's not like authoritarian is telling them we're just so they're so good. The production team about, you know, meeting with the person, meeting with their PR team before the call, before the episode. Did you do a prep episode with Jesse? Yeah. Yes. So he, and he set the expectation. This is the conversation. It's not mm-hmm. like, yep. And so we just, cont- we reinforce that, uh, continuously throughout the process. And then, um, you know, we hope for the best. So we, we got a lot of it at the beginning when we started to first get big, and then we figured out how to structure our process in a way that, uh, yields better results. Okay. Yeah, man, I'm just getting, you know, kind of to the tip of the iceberg on that. So even just hearing you say that a is very validating (laughs) and B, I think will help me have discipline, frankly, about, uh, how to run the process and how to do the editing such that it's actually ends up being helpful. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a secret. Here's a secret. Um, to this casual conversation thing. The first thing is I'm only interested in talking to people. I'm not interested in like interviewing them per se, uh, like a classic interview. And what I found was, and I didn't find this out for like after two years till we started charging money and doing sponsorships, but there is a whole ecosystem out there. People pay thousands of dollars at these conferences to get like interviewed 
and and it's like a really dry. It's scripted. Literally, we've had people send us scripts, and I, we, I'm just like, I you know, I vent to my production team, and then we professionally respond. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what is this? Uh, so that whole, there's a whole market out there calling that people will pay for these like super can pre-scripted interviews. And I don't know who's watching them. I have mm-hmm. no idea who's watching them, but they get recorded and sent somewhere, maybe on some webpage somewhere. So when we started to get um, people saying, and I mean this in like a humble way, we started getting people saying like the at the end of the episodes, oh my gosh, that was so cool. I've never done anything like that. This was so interesting. I'm like, you're a well-known like leader. Like, How have you never done anything like this? Um, cause my introduction to interviewing was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast and I was like, Oh, he just talks to him. That's easy. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, there's all this like super formal interviews out there and that's typically what they're doing. And so that's how I learned mm-hmm. about it. Cause I was like, you guys, are you just being nice? And he's like, no, this is like, it wasn't like static. It wasn't dry. It like wasn't scripted. I was like, what are you talking about? And then I, I learned about that whole industry mm-hmm. and that's when we figured out that we could charge money. <laughs> okay. Got yeah. it. <laughs> well, yeah. that's cool. I, yeah, I, I think I can improve upon that experience, hopefully. I mean, the last interview that I did with, you know, with a guy was with someone who we had been through a process, but it still was a really fun interview. And actually, you know, to all the listeners out there, I'm not going to give you, you know, content that's not genuinely interesting. So, go ahead and subscribe. <laughs> Even that's if it's the, somebody relatively ho- high profile, it'll still be good. I promise. <laughs> all right. Back to this list. Can we get back? Okay. Can I, can I do it again? I'm just going to keep reading over yeah, and over until, until we figure out <laughs> our team can edit it up. So it's not annoying. All right. You think of what you want out of it, why you're doing mm-hmm. it to start a yes. podcast. You figure out who the audience is and how you're going to bring them value. Mm-hmm. Right. You, yes. You get some decent gear. You don't have to go over the top with $100, $500 microphones and lights and stuff. You can do this all for less than a hundred bucks. Get, mm-hmm. get, get some gear. It's slightly better than whatever default gear is on your devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, get your first guest by reaching out to people. Um, for me, it was taking a hundred and I think 125 and I'd get like, you know, one, one or two a week uh, early mm-hmm. on. So 125 people a night. And then, so that's 125 times five. And then I'd get like one or two from that. Um, So then get that person booked, typically set an expectation with them about what the interview is going to be like, ask them what topics that they're interested or excited about, because your guest will always do best with whatever they're excited about. And you don't get to control what they're excited about. Yeah. I will say on that, they do, they are looking to you for something something of a starting place in terms of like, what do you want out of me? Um, because while we think it's very obvious what, you know, these people would be able to provide expertise in, I do think it's helpful. And it also will help you get the gig by like saying, I want to hear from you personally because of these, these reasons. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So we go with, uh, we, we come, to the prep meeting or to the conversation, however it's happening with a specific set of topics and a f- interview flow. Like we have these topics we want to discuss in about this order and, you know, yes or no, yay or nay. And then in that prep meeting, we're asking them like, what else are you excited about? You're exactly right. You definitely don't want to say, Hey, we do an interview with me. 
you know, Sally or John and they'll say yes. And they'd be like, all right, what do you want to talk about? What do you think it should be about? (laughs) (laughs) That's a quick way to fail. Yeah. Yeah. So somewhere Um, in the middle, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Somewhere in the middle. Uh, Let's see. So I said, come to them with a prep sheet. So you get your first guest, you have some sort of prep sheet, some idea of what you want to talk, some general questions, you know, ask them what they're excited about current events or whatnot. If, if there's anything, uh, then you just get on that call, you hit, you hit record and you, you know, figure it out. You fly, you take the leap. Yeah. There's, you're yep. never going to get to a point in this list where it, it, it'll always end. And like, you have to take the leap. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that, um, you know, if I am starting a podcast in tech, I've got something within the current landscape of podcasts available. How specific do you need to be about what your podcast is about? To the Okay. So for me, I was very specific to the audience. So I was like, all right, I want to talk about these topics. These people know about these topics. I'm going to go in there and talk to them. I'd say that you can, I think you can make it work like any way, but I'm almost certain that it's easier to start in a well-defined niche or mm-hmm. niche. I don't know how people say it, but it's one of those and <laughs> start in somewhere that's like really clear and well-defined because then you can own it. So like my goal from like a listener perspective was to completely own like the CTO audience and the sense that we're a place that everybody knows that they can come get value in, in the community. And so once everybody you know knew about it, uh, that was like the goal is for everybody to know about it and to bring them as much value as possible. Yeah. I, I think it's hard, probably harder now than it was. Do you think like, it feels like maybe podcasts have gone the way of blogs a little bit that it's easy to, it, would you do, you, is, does that metaphor work I, for you? I think I agree. That is definitely pop popular consensus and whatnot. Uh, I have a counter argument to it and it would be that good people, interesting people with their own thoughts are super hard to come by. And it doesn't matter what medium they're using, whether it's Instagram, Mm. Facebook, radio, Disney TV episode, (laughs) podcasting, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter the medium in which they're communicating with other humans. It really is about, you know, their personality, their ideas, uh, the, what they're discussing and what they're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. I think you can still and win their sound today. quality and their sound quality <laughs> for sure. You know, I learned about sound quality. So my brother-in-law is a uh, music producer. He did like a bunch of like the Disney type kids. It's done like a lot of different people. He's enough to have a Wikipedia entry. Right. And, mm. <laughs> and I was hanging out with him at his studio once and he's like, all right, come on, let's go drive test this. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, yo, like after we do like a mix, we bounce a mix. And I was like, he's using all words I didn't know. He's like, we bounce out this mix. And then he goes, then we go and we listen to it in the car as we drive with like the windows down or something. And I was like, but we're in this like massive studio with infinitely priced equipment and like the highest, because that's exactly it. He goes, but nobody's listening to it like this. He goes, only we're listening to it like this because everyone else is listening to it in their car. We have to go, we have to go do the car test. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, so that's what I do with my podcast. And it definitely drove my producer nuts because, mm-hmm. you know, we were learning audio. He wasn't experienced as a producer, which was great because it was cost-effective for me, but he definitely <laughs> learned and grew a whole lot over the course of all of this. But I would go get in the car, I would drive and be like, this is garbage. 
And he's like, it's really great. And I was like, well, we're listening on, you know, studio equipment here. And so that's one of the things I really cared about from the beginning was I would say as much as I said earlier that I didn't listen to the podcast at the beginning, I listened constantly. I listened every Mm -hmm. day on the way into the studio until we got it right, until we got the intro Mm -hmm. right, until we got the template and the sound quality and everything like to where I was happy. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a difference. It's funny. My husband said the same thing. Like you've got to listen to it in a variety of settings, ideally the least you know, the most um, uh, offensive setting is the one that you need to optimize for. So <laughs> yeah, he said the same thing. And I, I hope, I, I'm proud of what we've done. I think it sounds good. I have a producer as well who uh, does very good work. So shout out to Eric. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that you brought that up too, because I was going to ask you if you like do everything yourself. Um, there is, when I first started, I hired this girl, like um, her name is Jenny she was helping a bunch of people podcast. So it was like a freelance type deal. And so she sort of showed me the ropes and everything, like how to create mm-hmm. an intro and we worked together. And then, um, you know, we progressed from there, but there is an entire underground or not, it's not underground anymore, but there's an entire crew of people like on Upwork or just, you know, Googling around that can produce a podcast, like super low cost um, to start. And so that, like, if you didn't want to sit there and edit out the ums or whatnot, uh, you can you can get uh, a podcast done for fairly cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to run across the guy, Eric Wilson, that I work with in Nashville um, through uh, a mutual friend whose podcast sounded fantastic. So yeah. he's been a really good partner. He gives me great feedback and has, he makes, you know, minor editorial decisions. We try to keep it pretty um, of one piece, but, uh, as well, I know you guys do as well. Um, but he's been a great partner, so I'm lucky. Yes. He's not, right. I mean, I, I, uh, I just opted not to try to learn that myself. You know, I just have enough. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I want to be interested. good at the things that I'm going to be good at. And that was not something that I, that I cared to learn. Yes. I was, I was taking the approach that I'll find the guest, research the guest, invite people, write questions, do the interview, be, you know, interested in them and understand like what value they could bring the audience. And then for the technical stuff, I was like, I'm going to, I need someone else. It's also a lot better to do it with somebody else because then you get that perspective that you just Mm -hmm. can't get by being a solo person. Yeah. Well, you seem to have a really great team. I've gotten to meet a couple of your folks and uh, they seem pretty top notch. So good yeah, job. It's crazy. Yeah. Thank you. My plan um, did not go like as expected. I thought what would happen is that the podcast, I would get to meet some relationships and that would open up doors for like, you know, to go maybe work at these other companies or work on projects with them. But then when we got backed up and people started paying for it, I realized, okay, well, we can, we can make money with the podcast. Cause I said mm-hmm. at the beginning, if you go back to the first episodes, it said, I'll never put ads in the podcast mm-hmm. and, I, and we won't put ads in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why is because the, the first couple of weeks I was putting together the podcast and, and thinking of it as an idea and shopping it around to people, everybody at the time said there's too many podcasts and this was four years ago. So wow. they're always going okay. to say that they're yeah. always going to say it. Yep. And so, uh, they, I would ask people that listen to podcasts what their favorite podcast was. 
And I'd asked like 20 people and I heard at least five of them say the same thing and they didn't know each other either. They said, oh, this was my favorite podcast. And then they put ads on it and I stopped listening. I was like, oh, okay. So I decided really early on that we wouldn't put ads on the podcast. So it's like people could come on, we could talk about their product or what they're doing. We can talk about what, because mm-hmm. every product is solving a problem in the industry. So there's always an interesting conversation yeah. around it. Um, so that's what we did. and. Uh, it and you still out. have not done ads. We still have not done ads. Does Ackland Avenue have a podcast? We don't yet. We are, it's kind of, it's on our, our marketing roadmap for 2022. Um, I think we've got some, I think what we'll, we'll do, it's very like the best podcast that Ackland Avenue could make would be about just great teams and having fun while you're doing it. So I, I'm kind of am, am hatching an idea about, just getting, uh, you know, smart people that know software development really well, um, and giving them opportunities just to, to make each other better and and have some fun. And so, it, it, obviously, it's still very unformed as a concept, but we'll get there. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you would like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going. The Build Better Tech podcast features upbeat interviews with leaders at influential brands leveraging world-class technology as business strategy. In this clip, Philip Ben, former VP at Walmart e-commerce and CEO at Imperfect Foods, discusses how to lead in promoting innovation and risk-taking within an organization, large or small. The biggest thing is to be transparent and, and authentic about it. I mean, if you really want to do this, you have to be able to embrace and tolerate failure. And that's sometimes difficult because a lot of these companies have sort of relatively rigid performance management systems where you commit to a goal and if you don't meet the goal, you don't get your bonus or, you know, you don't get any brownie points, certainly for for not meeting your goals. Whereas if you truly believe in an agile approach, which is kind of more experiment driven, many experiments will fail and that's good. Most of them will. (laughs) Exactly. And you have to celebrate that and you have to go from the sort of the, the hurtful feeling of failure to the great feeling of learning, uh, right? So that that pivot is is, is an important one. And, you, and when I say you have to be authentic is you have to really mean it, right? You, it's not enough to just say it. And then when the first experiment flops, your body language shows that you're upset, right? As a leader, those things are cues that everybody will pick up. So you actually have to embrace that failure and say, you know what? I'm so glad we did it. Now we know that this outcome you know, is not great. Therefore, we're going to do another experiment and sort of avoid this in the future. Right? So and good that we learned that now. Exactly. Because if you learn it soon, you learn it early, you avoid making that mistake in the future at scale. So I think you, by truly believing it and, and kind of really role modeling that, you kind of have to, you have to walk the talk. That, that's been, that has been my biggest learning in sort of these agile transformations. Can you tell me about a couple of times that are kind of like war stories for you that really were, you know, dark, dark night of the soul moments (laughs) or 
And also, you know, on the flip side, real victories where you did exactly what you meant to do and it was great. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, um, one of sort of my proudest moments, uh, and I, I have to give credit to my my boss in, in, in Mexico, a guy called Guy Lorero, who's an amazing leader, um, was the uh, creation of what we call the digital factory for the business. A traditional retailer doesn't really have a digital factory. Um, you know, this is something that sort of we we created. It was a first in Mexico, and it's probably a first, you know, among the major retailers around the world. We had no idea how big this factory needed to be, how much it would cost, you know, how much failure we would have to tolerate within this factory. What's the founding vision for a digital factory? <laughs> yeah, so the founding vision for the factory was to turn a company that was kind of a very traditional waterfall type environment where things got built into plans and then executed sort of across many months to a very agile, sort of very customer attuned, iterative um, innovation company. And that's kind of not at the heart of a retailer. So we wanted to create a small group of people that would learn the method and would really learn how to operate in an agile environment. And then the plan was to move those people from the digital factory to bigger businesses so that they could transform the way that those businesses operated. And we made a bunch of sort of early uh, on rookie mistakes. Like, for example, we completely um, underestimated the challenges of finding great agile coaches and training agile coaches. There aren't too many of those around. Um, and it's a very diff different profile from a project manager. Um, these are people who really have to have kind of one foot in deep technology development or product development and the other foot in, in leadership and people and coaching and being teachers. So we kind of, it took us a lot longer to find those people and therefore it took us a long, lot longer to get the factory started. Another learning was the amount of investment that we had to put in. Initially we thought, oh yeah, we could pull this off with, you know, a smaller budget uh, just to get this thing started. But then we realized that our teams were being artificially constrained by resources. They weren't being constrained by by the ability to get things done, but they just couldn't hire fast enough or they couldn't invest in some of these tests fast enough. So we had to be become comfortable with an approach where we gave them a bigger budget and we allowed them a lot of you know, autonomy to spend against that budget. And then the third thing that happened, which I think was very interesting, again, a learning, is we kind of immediately assumed that people would be seconded into these, these teams and would start making autonomous decisions because we wanted to have smaller, autonomous, agile teams. But what ended up happening is it was a hierarchy behind them, right? So the people that we put in those rooms reported into a vice president here or a director over there, and they felt that they couldn't commit to anything without getting uh, formal sign-up from their bosses. So what we had to do is we had to basically tell the teams, you know what, from now on and for the duration of this agile sprint or this entire project, the squad, as we call them, you will report to the CEO of the company effectively, right? So we will create a direct line between the product team or this agile squad and the CEO of the company. Um, and that helped us kind of really unlock the um, potential of these teams and so that they wouldn't be slowed down by individual decision making that happens in traditional organizational silos. How? <laughs> How did you? That seems like it would make a lot of people very, very. Uh, we ruffled harumphy. feathers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but uh, Guy and the leadership team at uh, Walmart in Mexico has been incredibly consistent and, and supportive of that approach. And they are changing culture as we speak. 
Tune into the full episode out on all major platforms and check out other episodes featuring leaders at Zoom, Vitamin Shop, Lonely Planet, and more.